Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. You can also listen live, streaming online, no matter where you are. Get rightsideradio.org, click listen live, and take us uh, take us with you wherever you go. Hey, listen, folks, i got to tell you real quick about my friends at Otter Creek Farm. Otter Creek Farm, what an amazing place. I, I love going out there. I know the owners personally. I mean, this place is like an oasis in the middle of North Alabama. It is considered one of the finest wing shooting destinations in the region. And it was featured in Garden and Gun Magazine. If you like to hunt pheasant and quail, they've got the dogs, the guns, the guides, the hundreds of manicured acres. They've got beautiful facilities. They've got a culinary team that will cook for you like you would not believe. Overnight accommodations. You can take corporate retreats there. You can just do a board meeting. You can go on a hunt. You can have a wedding there. Man, this place is incredible. Check them out. OtterCreekFarmstead.com is the website for Otter Creek Farm. I think you will be impressed. Oh, by the way, you'll probably figure out quickly why Donald Trump Jr. stayed there recently. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, I gotta, I just got to go ahead and, and ping the fellas at AL.com because they deserve it. Um, and I'm going to have to say something on Twitter about this, too, I guess, because I don't need to talk about them and them not know I talked about them because I'll talk about it to their face. Uh, but the reality is um, John Archibald, our Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, is back from being out of state for a while where he went away for some form of uh, – uh, education and enlightenment, I guess. And and Kyle Whitmire, who I think just hates life in general, but uh, but literally the two of them wrote pieces. They're freaking out right now. Of course, they're liberals, but they're freaking out right now over the fact that yesterday our state school board had the chutzpah, had the wherewithal, had the guts, had the uh, good sense to pass a resolution, uh, one, by the way, that I had assisted in, in promoting uh, uh, as in my uh, capacity with the Alabama Policy Institute to ban critical race theories tenets being taught in our Alabama schools. Now, John Archibald starts off with his today. He said the CRT ban should make Alabama examine itself. And then he goes on to say critical race theory is not taught in Alabama public schools. It's not. Oh, okay. So let's, let's assume for the fact that you're right, John. Let's assume just for a minute that you're right and that critical race theory is not taught in public schools in Alabama, even though we have a number of teachers that have signed on saying they'll teach it no matter what, even though we have uh, a, 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 an entire curriculum in every city school in the Huntsville city, city system that's uh, put together by the Anti-Defamation League that has tenets of critical race theory in it, uh, even though those things are happening even as we speak, and Mountain Brook had to have massive parent-led meetings to get rid of that same curriculum in their schools, even though we found it in other places in the state, that's okay, it's not here. But let's just say, for instance, that, that he was right. Do you only pass a law after the fact? Is that what you're supposed to do? You only pass a law after the fact. Is that it? So what you're saying is you only put the roof on the house after it rains. That's what I'm hearing him say. How much sense does that even make? I love it when liberals say, that's just a solution looking for a problem. No, it's a problem. We can see it in other places, and we don't want it here. How about that? So assuming for even a second that critical race theory was not being taught in Alabama schools, why would we still not also pass a ban on it since we know we don't want it in our Alabama schools? Why would we wait until it's so fully implemented that we have to root it out like a weed in a garden? Why would you do that? Well, it makes no sense. That's okay. Uh, Whitmire and Archibald don't always make sense to me anyway. But then Archibald goes on to make his analogy 
by talking about a textbook that was used in Alabama in the 1950s and 60s. Are you hearing this? The 1950s and 60s. He relates this to, he says, you know, it's about pressing matters and cowardice and just plain old white blindness. Well, apparently he's feeling bad about himself being white. And, and, and so he's gone on to now apologize and claim that all of our problems relate to a book that was used allegedly in the 50s and 60s. We don't use that book anymore. Do you know why? Because it was adjudged to be incorrect. So how about the fact that we got rid of the book, John? How about the fact that the book is no longer in the public schools, John? How about the fact that the 50s and 60s were prior to the civil rights movement of the 60s into the 70s, which originated in, oh, Alabama? How about the fact that we've come further than any other state? And how about the fact, though, that critical race theory in and of itself is racism? Because it establishes the fact that if you say anything at all, it's all based upon your white privilege or your black oppression. That's what, that's what critical race theory's underlying tenets are, is a complete division of our society. The establishment of what they love to call intersectionalities. The things that set us apart as opposed to the things that bring us together. Just yesterday, we had a, a, just a, a, an amazing situation where a, 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 a mother, a black mother, by the way, a black mother was shocked to find out that in her child's elementary school, that the principal who was black, by the way, had decided it was a good idea to separate kids into different classrooms by their color. You heard me. If that had been a white principal now, it'd be, it, there'd, be, there'd be Black Lives Matter marching on the city. I'm just telling you, burning the place down. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be a fast food chain left standing after they set them all on fire. But no, it's okay, I guess. Uh, but no, it's not okay, as a matter of fact. It's not. Let me rephrase that. This mother found out, and she was incensed, and she has already hired an attorney to file suit against the school system for allowing that to happen. Where was that? That was two hours to the east. Two hours to the east. But it's not being taught in our schools. We shouldn't worry about this. Remember in the 50s? We were racist in the 50s. The 50s. You realize that was 70 years ago? 70 years ago. And how far have we come since then? And we don't want that stuff back. We don't want it back. He goes on to talk about how there's no comfort to the teachers here who merely just want to be able to teach their students to understand the past. Teach them about the past. Teach them that things were racist in the past. But don't teach them that they're systemically racist now. Teach them the fact that slavery did exist. And yet there was a war fought to try and end it. And it was, by the way, the Republican Party who emancipated the slaves. T teach them that things are different now. And it doesn't matter the color of their skin. It's the content of their character and their ability to work that makes a difference. Teach them that. But no, John Archibald wants to make sure that you remember that in the 1950s, it was bad. And we had a textbook that even said bad things. So we never should have banned critical race theory yesterday in the state of Alabama because in the 1950s, we had a mean textbook that was saying awful racist things. And then Kyle Whitmire, I don't get it. Whitmire, what in the world? When, when he goes out there and says the Alabama State School Board reacted to COVID by banning critical race theory, what? Dude, you're, you're not even, you know, at this point, I'm not sure what's happening to you. Um, Whit Whitmire, for all of his liberal ten tendencies, at least he tends to have a cogent train of thought, albeit liberal, but this one doesn't even make sense. He goes on to say, if you want to understand why Alabama lags behind the rest of the country education, 
the state school board would be a good place to start. That's where I start disagreeing with him because that first statement is all I agreed with. I do agree with that. The state school board has got to take ownership over the fact that we're number 50 in the nation. But then he says, and if you want to understand why Alabama is near the top in coronavirus cases per capita, the state school board would be a good place to start for that too. What? So Whitmire is upset because rather than go to a meeting and implement a statewide mask ban, I guess, or a mask mandate, um, he wants them to literally um, avoid any other topic because, you know, it's, it's, it's impossible to chew gum and walk at the same time. Only one thing at a time, people. One thing at a time. The only thing we should be worried about is COVID. Because, you know, his previous article, it was a complete freakout over the fact that he was sending his son to school and he said, we've already failed our children. Well, keep him at home then, man. Put him in private school where things are different or, or find, go move to a different, oh, that's right, we don't have open enrollment, do we? Because you oppose school choice. Oh, that's right. Mm. You could move your child to a fully masked school if you wanted to. Alabama's in a crisis, he said, but that crisis is not CRT. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so basically what it is is we, because of COVID, once again, nothing else is allowed to be talked about. Well, I got news. That's not the case. So, folks, listen, is critical race theory alive and well in Alabama? Yes. Yes, in fact, it is. Uh, is, it, uh, is it alive and well and embedded in our institutions of higher learning? Yes, it is. In fact, the two progenitors, the, uh, the, the people who originated, the people who wrote the original book, I believe they might have even given it the name critical race theory, they teach at the University of Alabama. You heard me. Go look them up. Richard Delgado. Richard Delgado. And his wife's name, I believe, is Jean Stefanik or Stefancic. I could be wrong on that, but his name is definitely Delgado. Just go ahead and take a look. Google their names and University of Alabama. They are in endowed seats at the School of Law there. And they are the originators of critical race theory. And, and, and those of you who are trustees or graduates of the University of Alabama School of Law, I wonder if you wonder why we chose to have them here. You know, and I, I, by the way, I don't mind that the, we'd have present conflicting opinions uh, on the university campus because by then we need to have the ability being taught and developed and, and nurtured and mentored to have conflicting opinions and to recognize that life is not always clear and that at the college level you should be able to start reasoning and discerning. Um, if, if all they're teaching is critical race theory and no other opposing theories, then I would have a problem with that. But at K-12, it doesn't belong at all. K-12. How about K-12 work on education? How about K-12 focus on getting our K-12 out of number 50 in the nation? That's what they need to be working on. That's the, that's the emphasis. And by the way, John Archibald, it's not about the book that was in the classrooms in 1950. And Kyle Whitmire, it's got nothing to do with the fact that COVID is still out there. And I know you're scared. It's, it's very scary for you, I know. But all said and done, Critical race theory is something that had to be addressed. And even if it weren't already here, which it is, even if it weren't already here, you don't sit idly by and wait till the rain comes into the building with no roof on it and then put the roof on. You build the shelter in advance of the storm. End of story. All right, folks, as we're heading into this break right now, I got to tell you, um, I'm fired up, fired up. We got, we got more in the news, though. We got plenty of things to talk about. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to tell you about the fact there's a Christian ministry that is suing right now the Southern Poverty Law Center. Good for them. 
Southern Poverty Law Center is almost like, you know, antithetical to its name. It doesn't even make... Why do they even call themselves the Southern Poverty Law Center now? Um, but they've got uh, about a half a billion dollars in their trust because they keep taking everybody to court. Well, guess what? they got to come up. It's coming, I hope, with uh, D. James Kennedy's ministry suing them. I'll tell you about that when we come back. Phil Williams, News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, the News Talk powerhouse across the northern part of our great state of Alabama. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio, the biggest show in the afternoons across North Alabama, where we are solid conservative and just plain right. Hey, listen, I got told you right before the break that there is um, there's an interesting lawsuit going on. But you know what it does? It deals with another interesting lawsuit. And all of this has Alabama connections. This is crazy. All right, so first of all, those of you that are lawyers already know this, this because you had to study it in law school because it was a landmark case. By the way, a landmark case, if you're not familiar with the term, just means in the practice of law, when you're dealing with um, having to put something before the judge for him to him or her to render you know, a, a decision, an order on, you're making your case, so to speak. You got two things to rely on. You got what we call the black letter law or, or statutory law, the code, and that's locked in. You know, unless it's ambiguous in some way and the court has to interpret it, for the most part, the black letter law, the state code, if you will, is what it is. But it, in the absence of code, the other thing the courts look at is what they call case precedent. And case precedent is when a previous case has been decided, very often uh, up to the U.S. Supreme Court or at a state supreme or appellate court. And that case precedent becomes the law of the land unless at some point it's either reversed, overruled, uh, or some statutory code is enacted by the legislature that changes things. Okay, there's your, there's, your, there's your law lesson for the day. All right, that being said, there's a landmark case, one that we rely upon quite often. It set the standard, that's what landmark case means, called New York Times v. Sullivan, 1964, that originated out of Alabama. That was a civil rights case. Very interesting case. It was during that very tumultuous time when Dr. Martin Luther King was leading the way uh, in, um, uh, in civil rights. You know, I mentioned that a minute ago, that we are the state where the civil rights uh, um, protests and the civil rights movement was birthed. Uh, and, and, and so Dr. King uh, was being featured in the New York Times uh, because of uh, mistreatment by the Montgomery police. All right, track with me here. The police chief in Montgomery, or the commissioner, was a guy named L.B. Sullivan. And L.B. Sullivan, though, sued the New York Times because the Times ran an article, or an ad, I'm sorry, that made several claims about him and his police department that even though they weren't doing things well, I'll be honest with you, they weren't. They were violating the laws, violating civil rights. All that to say, the ad also had a number of factual things that were just incorrect. They were very defamatory. And so they were, this, this New York Times ad was run that said things that, that weren't true. So immediately, L.B. Sullivan filed suit. And he won in state court, go figure. Uh, it, it, was, it was kind of a given that he would win that in state court. 
Uh, the New York Times appealed it. It went to the state Supreme Court. Uh, L.B. Sullivan still won, so they appealed it, and the U.S. Supreme Court took it up. 1964, the New York Times case uh, v. Sullivan out of Alabama was ruled on by the U.S. Supreme Court, and it literally changed the standard for defamation. If you're a public figure of any type, in order to prove that you've been defamed by the media, you have to do more than just prove the usual tenets of or aspects uh, of uh, defamation. You have to also prove they acted with what's called actual malice. Actual malice, which means that whoever you're accusing, in this case it was New York Times, they knew and they falsely or recklessly disregarded the fact that they knew that what they were saying was not true. Well, that's a pretty high bar, folks. To prove that somebody knew ahead of time and that they were reckless creates such a high bar. That's why now, that's why now you can see Donald Trump getting slandered constantly and he can't do anything about it because it, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult bar to overcome. Well, I don't have time to unpack this whole thing. I'm pretty sure before the break. But what we're seeing right now is that the New York Times v. Sullivan is being called to question by a new suit against another Alabama party, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Are you familiar with the SPLC? Southern Poverty Law Center, one of the most liberal, hateful groups determined to unravel things in the United States, kind of like the ACLU. They, 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 they've got a, a name that sounds like they should care, but what they really care about are progressive liberal interests, and they will do everything they can to unhinge a conservative matter. And so the, the New York Times v. Sullivan case makes it very difficult now for the J D. James Kennedy Ministries to file suit against the Southern Poverty Law Center of Alabama. But they are. And we just found out that two Supreme Court justices, Justice Gorsuch and Clarence Thomas, have both said that they believe it's time to review New York Times v. Sullivan. Ten. All right, folks, we are headed to a break. When we come back in a minute, I'll this tell you more about that. 7.70 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. News starts now. 